0: To you from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Lisa Butterworth, and this is Caught Red Handed. Hello, my henna peeps. You are listening to episode 12 of the Caught Red Handed podcast. Today's episode is with Bridget Bartlett who is from Vermont and you've probably seen a lot of her work around lately. I really love her work and when I heard she was going to be in town I invited her over for the podcast. Looking at Bridget's work lately I've been reminded of how many great artists are popping up. I have no idea if that's just because maybe in the last five years there's been a growth of Access to people's work, like through Facebook and other social media, or if there's some kind of critical mass forming with the number of henna artists reaching a really high level of quality. Either way, I'm loving it. It's really inspiring to see so many awesome artists out there and see such great work. Some of it that just really blows me away. It's increased competition for a lot of us veterans, me included. And it's definitely keeping us on our toes. Some of us are kind of talking behind the scenes about that and and uh, wondering how to deal with it. We're all loving all the creative energy pouring into the field, but we're also wondering if it's going to affect our bottom lines. I'm reminded of something Debbie said in my interview with her for the podcast, that there are all these people in, the, in our communities that want henna, and it's really just about bringing them in opening them up to what henna is. And I think that even with more henna artists out there to compete with, that also means that more people are going to get henna and more people will start to really love henna and see it around. And I think it's just going to increase our client base. So overall, I think it's good. Personally, it's keeping me on my toes and I'm trying to really work on my own creativity, my own work, my professionalism, etc. I'm seeing more artists in my area, not really directly competing with me, but still I'm seeing them around and uh, it's kind of waking me up. So the day that I met with Bridget for the podcast, we also hung out pretty much most of the day. We had really good Thai food, walked around the city a lot and we stopped for really good coffee. And it was really nice because we just got out our sketchbooks and we were drawing stuff and sharing ideas and talking about different ways to draw peacocks, and, and she'd brought some books that she really liked, and we were looking at photos online and sharing ideas. It was really awesome. And she was actually leaving for India the next day. As you hear this, she is in India. So we talked a lot about her past trips there, and that's something that comes up in this podcast episode. I really love meeting Hannah artists in person, and I learned so much from the encounter, and this, one, this particular meeting was no exception. Because my day job, which doesn't offer much vacation time, it's hard for me to go to conferences and meet many of you and I really regret that. But fortunately I have the podcast so I get to kind of meet you all. Um, I get to meet the people I interview and I also get to meet many of you online and reach out to you at least with my voice and the voice of my guests. So Um, it's not quite the same as meeting you all in person, but it's close. And I hope that if any of you are ever in New York city, you'll give me a call or drop me a line and we can meet for coffee and maybe a henna, henna chat or some hennaing. So other than my hang with Bridget, I don't really have much henna news to report. It's winter here in the Northeast. We had our first snow. So, uh, that's kind of it for the season. I did finish another interview with a bridal henna artist for the bridal panel podcast that will be coming up soon. And I also have a Google Hangout with Nick and Noam talking about Moroccan Henna and answering your questions live. That's going to be on Saturday, December 14th at 9.30 p.m. That's coming up in a couple days. If you are listening to this late or for any reason you missed the Hangout, you can see it on YouTube. You can go to the Caught Red Handed podcast blog for the link. That's at caughtredhandedpodcast.com. And uh, you can watch it there on YouTube. So stay tuned for more Hangouts. If this one works out well, we'll have some more of them. So it's kind of like a podcast for the eyes. And now let's listen to my interview with Bridget. Thanks for listening. Your story was in India, correct? Yes. All right. That's right. So um, go ahead and tell me your story.
1: Sure. So um, I've traveled a lot by train, mostly in India. And I guess that's the place that I've, like, met so many people and like even like i've been twice to india the first time that i went was uh march of 2012 and even in that one month i took a few longer train trips and i remember meeting random people and like having some women like draw henna designs in my sketchbook and like it just seemed to be like a place where i kind of connected with people and i think people aren't in a hurry they're just sort of sitting on the train and wondering what you're doing yeah um but so i have like a a whole handful of interesting train henna stories but my favorite one definitely. When I actually had just been doing my first and only ever yet Indian bride and her family, (laughs) it was like 11 o'clock at night and my train was at midnight. And so her family dropped me off at the train station and I had like an hour and it was late at night. And most train stations have like a a women's only waiting room. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, I don't really know where I'm going. I'll go in here and like ask someone what platform to go to, come closer to my departure time. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of sitting there and I have like, 10 henna I made like a million henna cones for this bride and I had a whole bunch left over in my bag and I had some scrap paper and I'm just waiting around so it's like I'll just use these on paper and kill some time and there were two other women in the room kind of like sleeping on their luggage and then there is you know there's a lot of train staff and there was one guard in the waiting room kind of just watching around the door I mean there's not really much going on there's just a couple women sleeping and like me Mm -hmm. and I'm just sitting like Drawing with my henna cones. so she comes and sits down, and she's like, "What the heck is she doing, drawing with henna cones? Like, that's funny. So she's just watching me doodle, and then all of a sudden, she just puts her hand out. She's like, "Well, you might as well just draw on me." So I'm just sitting there at like 11:30 at night in a train station in Surat, which is in kind of southern Gujarat, a little north of Mumbai, and I'm just like, hennaing the guard. And <laughs> middle, I mean, I just like, I'm thinking like, would this ever happen? like there, uh, someone probably get fired for having me do that on, on duty in the yeah, United States. Yeah, definitely. And then one of the women that was in, in the room was kind of sleeping and like woke her friend up and saw what we were there. And all of a sudden I'm like hennaing this guard in a train station in India in the middle of the night. And I have like a circle of women around me, just like watching me henna until I had to catch my train. And it was just like, a gr- I mean, it's just such a fun way to connect with people yeah, definitely. no matter what's going on you can yeah. kind of pull this thing out and especially in India everybody knows what it is and they're just yeah. like fascinated that this yeah. foreigner can do it and you make friends at a drop of a hat like that exactly. so and did those other
0: women who are waiting and watching did they get henna from you
1: I think I had to get up and get my train I think they probably would have but <laughs> I you know I only had 45 minutes or so to kill and then yeah. you know they just I mean then they helped me find my train and mm-hmm. everything went well but that's that's how it goes yeah they were I think they were pretty impressed because I was pretty good at henna and they just you yeah. know people just don't expect it when you're a foreigner but then yeah. they find out you are and they're pretty excited and eager to let you everybody will and they always offer their palm first it's like oh, you know they're a darker <laughs> skin anyway and it's just more traditional so like people will ask for their palm and then the annoying thing is like when they flip their hand over it's they flip it over immediately and they're like, okay, backside. And I'm like, you have to, I I can't like, your hand is shaking and my hand is shaking. And then sometimes I would just do it and the design would be like this really, and they're like, oh, it's not nice. I'm like, I told you, Yeah. but they just, I don't know. It's like instant gratification, I guess. They don't usually wait to let it dry to flip it over. Or maybe some Indian artists are pretty good at keeping it steady, but I'm not quite so, I'm I'm not there yet.
0: I think also it's probably that, there's that henna is so ubiquitous there that they don't really care not whether it's good or not but they just want henna and they want it in whatever situation they can get it even if it's you know a little inconvenient you're not going to do your best work they just want it
1: yeah and like that's the thing it's like nail polish it's like my auntie can do henna for me and yeah it's just a normal cosmetic it's not yeah such like you know here people are like oh my god i had henna once three years ago on vacation like that's so exotic like oh and they're they're just like yeah sure (laughs) you drew a flower oh my god yeah so yeah it's you know especially like i had girls in Udaipur where i was staying that were really they would ask me to teach them because they're like you know, they could do it, but they're like, oh, your design is so clean. They would always say, everything is clean. How do you do it? Why do you, How do you make oh, the okay. line, you know, divide? Or they would, like, I had a friend that did half her hand and was like, oh, what do I do now?
0: Oh, okay. So, so she didn't know where to go with the design. Yeah, people would. Oh,
1: and especially because I would do other, like, kind of new techniques. Or, like, they would always, like, girls would love to pick up my journal and flip through it. And they'd point out designs they like and say, do this on me or copy it into their journal. Or I had some girls that made photocopies of my designs oh, that's nice. to keep in there. you know, everybody has like loose, you know, they have magazines. It's just like everybody has little henna books in their house. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, they are like so they, cool. ha- they get really cheap magazines and there's just like loosely photocopied paper that they have and some of them oh, are okay. aren't very nice, but I had girls just like give me random pieces yeah. of henna paper and I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. Yeah.
0: And did you ever get henna from any of the street vendors, the street henna artists there?
1: When I was there, I had—I actually had henna on my... I'm a left-handed, so I had henna all over my right hand that I did mm-hmm. myself. Um, and I didn't want to get my left hand done because I n- needed to use it. So I had them do something sort of more up on my the side of my arm, like you're such I, a westerner <laughs> i i had like 50 rupees though they were like yeah they were like happy they just kind of like grabbed me and they're like here here's this is the spots open we'll do that oh, i mean they okay. don't really care yeah um they just want to make money and it was it was really cool i wish that i had had a clean hand but yeah when i go back i'll have two clean hands and someone to carry my bag so yeah i'm gonna get i'm gonna be like i'm gonna scout it out for a day or two before i get mine done and like See if I can find who a like an artist that really stands out and yeah. be like, I'll pay double. Just take your time and do something really yeah. awesome and how long see how that gets How long does it usually me?
0: take them to do, you know, I see the pictures and I've seen videos on YouTube of the street artists. How long does it take them to do like elbow to fingertips on the inside?
1: It's hard to say. Average? I don't know that I, it's a question I want to ask them because I didn't like when i was on a watching like the street artist work i would kind of walk up and down the line and see the designs progress but i wasn't kind of standing over them for too long cuz there's like 25 30 guys lined up on stools all working so i'd mm. be like ooh what's he doing and i just kind of keep hopping down yeah um but i'm going to guess you know 20 to 30 minutes depending on the design they're pretty quick
0: that is quick and i
1: think depending on the client and how much they're paying and if there's a lot of people they they may or may not take take their time more i have that written yeah. down in my my book book of questions like do you find that the quality of your work changes if you are really busy or if you're you know working with another person that's faster than you because they'll you know two different guys will work on the same person at the same time
0: yeah did you notice that the two guys would do similar designs or were they really different they're almost like you can't
1: usually tell really like I guess because they all kind of teach each other I'm assuming and they all Mm. work together every day Mm -hmm. they have the all have the exact same style and I think that's intentional because they want to be able to work quickly and get as many clients done as quick as fast as they can so yeah one person's working on each hand boom you're done and yeah. they kind of I mean I saw them like looking back and forth at each other oh, really? to sort of you know see where the design was going and map it out but not mm-hmm. you know the hands don't have to match so they would do their own thing but just sort of have something that would balance the other one out yeah but they do definitely all have the same sort of scribbly yeah blobby style yeah but it they're so good but they're so good yeah Yeah. that it looks really beautiful but it's like when i try to pick up a cone and copy one of their designs i'm so neat about it that it loses that sort of street style effect and just looks like almost more of like a poorly done design or i'll have to change it i mean it's hard i just i have a really hard time copying Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, like, if I do watch them work. Like, I last time I was there, I actually picked up a cone with them for a little bit, and they were like, "Yo, show me how you can draw a peacock in this newspaper." And they're like, "Oh, it's okay." <laughs> and I oh, I forgot about this. I actually brought a couple copies of. Moroccan designs from your book oh cool I just like photocopying and I like showed it to them and they kind of were like yeah w- whatever and I'm like gave it to them and they were like oh okay and they like stuck it and they have like these books of their work they're really uh-huh. cool I'll take pictures of them this time but they just like stuck the loose papers in their books and were just kind of shrugged and I was like wow. I wonder if anyone will ever like flip through and ask for one of yeah. these that would be
0: funny maybe we can like y- there's such an influx of Indian and golf style designs in Moroccan Hannah maybe we can make it go yeah. the other way and that was sort of the idea that more geometric fessy style there it'd be so
1: cool i did one time do a very fessy style design for a girl it was one of those like big moroccan hearts oh yeah because i knew she i wanted to have something a little soft in there because yeah. it's not a design they're used to seeing yeah. so after i did it she kind of looked at it and was like oh this is but heart is, nice. heart is nice <laughs> she liked yeah. the heart but she was <laughs> kind of like this is weird yeah, <laughs> it's not quite it's such what i had a foreign in mind.
0: aesthetic to them i'm sure yeah it's it totally crazy. is yeah
1: But then one time I did a Moroccan design on myself, this was actually, I went, I had a Moroccan design on my palm and the guy that saw it was like, oh, wow, like you did that? That's really cool. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, it was obviously a neat design, so I don't know if he was really complimenting the designer, just like, oh, uh, you're interested in henna. Why the hell would you come out to the middle of a desert if you weren't interested in henna? Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, What was the other question I was going to ask you about the street artists? So you're leaving for India tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I am. It still doesn't feel right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess I am. <laughs> yeah, and it's like what, That's like right.
0: 32 degrees here in New York. Yeah. And- and uh, we're all bundled up, but yeah, you're going to be in.
1: I don't sunny, know hot India how hot Delhi will be. I mean, I know in January Delhi actually gets pretty cold. I've heard it's yeah. it can be really cold and foggy in January. Oof. It's not quite January January yet, yeah, but
0: but you'll be there for that. Yeah, I mean Rajasthan
1: at this time of year. I was in Rajasthan last year in January, and it's. Kind of like the perfect weather. It gets pretty cold at night because you're in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, but where I was is a little bit on the edge of the desert. I was in Udaipur further south. So oh, okay. it would be like 70, 75 and sunny and dry during the day. And then at night it would get down to like 50, 45 degrees. That's not bad. So it's kind of like, I mean, never really too hot never really never too, cold too cold for a vermonter yeah. at least and i was yeah. and everybody there has like shawls on all day and they're like oh this is very cold season why are you not cold i'm like yeah <laughs> i'm fine don't tell me this is cold please yeah.
0: <laughs> please come visit me in vermont when you get a chance yeah we'll i always see.
1: tell i show people pictures of snow and like most of people you know they know what snow is like yeah the himalayas aren't too far away yeah so they know but they just kind of like see it and they're like oh yeah yeah okay that's nice yeah
0: and uh And what what are you going to be up to this time in India? I know you're staying for three months.
1: Three or more or a long time. I don't know. Um, A mix of things. I I feel like I'm from Vermont, and so all of a sudden – I mean, I have two friends from home that are going to visit me for three weeks, and one of my friends goes to school with a couple people from Mumbai. So we're going to go down and stay with them for a few days, and then I've kind of always wanted to ride camels, but never (laughs) really felt like doing that on my own. So I think we might – do a camel safari because when else will yeah. you get that opportunity? Yeah, exactly. And maybe m- introduce them to a few of my friends. And, you know, I've kind of sent them links to itineraries. So we'll probably mm-hmm. just pick a few sites and check them out. And then um, I want to go east. So I'll, I'm going to try to visit Varanasi and Calcutta. And then I'll be – I'm sure I'll spend a lot of time in Udaipur, where I've made a lot of really good friends. And I also will spend time in, in Gujarat. I have friends in a really tiny little town. Diu is kind of how I met them, which is this little like island off the tip of Gujarat on the western coast where India sort of dips off. Oh, okay. It's like that little dot right there, and it's Gujarat. Alcohol is illegal, and then Diu and this what other island further down are actually part territories of Delhi, and so all these Gujaratis go down to these. Places to to drink. drink. But (laughs) Diu is really cool because it was a a port, like the other island, Daman is like a little more seedy and I never went there, but Mm -hmm. Diu was actually very charming and it it was a Portuguese colony. So the architecture is really beautiful and European and it's on the beach. And it was a cool place. And I met a family there that lived just over, like they were the first town. Bef- like you can drive out there though so they were like the first town once you get off to you mm-hmm. and i met them because the dad goes there to like buy beer and bring it home <laughs> which is so random but i met him with like their four kids and the mom and i like did henna for one of the kids and went to their house and then ended up spending a night with them and then reconnected with them so i've spent a lot of time in this town called una which is like right there wow which was really cool because it was i don't know i just felt like a really authentic experience because like no for like no you wouldn't go there there's like
0: there's no touristy thing to see Like, there. DU is
1: the closest place that any tourist would go, and, like, people would pass through there. Like, to get to UNA in the past, like, since I'm not going to DU anymore when I go there, I have to get a bus from the nearest train station, and, like, I'm a foreigner, so foreigners go there, and then they go to DU, so I'm like, no, I need to get the bus to UNA, and they're like, yeah, yeah, DU. I'm like, no, 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 UNA, UNA, una hey. I'm not going to DU, and they're like, oh, really? Are you sure You've, you made a mistake? And I'm like, no, I promise, I'm going to, I'm going to <laughs> UNA. Yeah. But... It's fun. I really like that aspect of it. I mean, it's nice to... Re- I mean, they don't speak much English, and I'm, like, staying in the room with all these kids, and they give me, like, the one bed. I, and, like, I'm treated like royalty. It's, like, uh, a little... Sweet. At first, it was a little uncomfortable, but, you know, they just really love, like, hospitality there yeah. is just beyond. Like, they ask me what kind of biscuits I like for breakfast, and I I don't know that many, like, biscuits you can buy in yeah. India, but Parlaji yeah. is, like, the standard, like, cheap good it's like a glucose biscuit just like really oh, plain okay. yeah you know five rupees for like a big pack of them which is like like pennies like yes. they're just dirt cheap mm-hmm. and I, they were like i was like uh parla g biscuits and they all just laughed at me like you're a foreigner and like that's your favorite biscuit like you've got to be kidding me <laughs> like
0: the only one name <laughs> i can remember yeah
1: i'm like they're good yeah it's fine yeah, they just- and then they came home with like like just a huge sack full of parle i'm like i don't i couldn't eat those in the rest of my life and they're like they're for you i'm like oh, thanks guys <laughs> This is so sweet yeah it was really they're really awesome
0: so what other henna stuff are you going to be doing while you're there
1: i just tend to henna everywhere i go i found a couple people from mumbai found me on facebook and have liked my page which is I was a little sure creeped out. I was like, "Who? how did you find me? Cause like, it's, you know, it's funny. I'm an artist from Vermont and I feel like, you know, Facebook is, it's cool because there are people at home from follow me that, you know, I post what events I'm going to be at yeah, and I definitely have yeah. like a local following, which it's great for getting the word out to people. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the things that are on, like, I like clicked on the statistics and it was like, most people liking your page are in Karachi. And I'm like. <laughs> how the heck did they find <laughs> <That's> me? <hilarious. laughs> which is cool. I mean, it's cool that, you know, the internet spreads designs yeah. and ideas like that. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, this is, that's great. Like, yeah. that's going to give me a lot of business. Like, what's...
0: But, it, what, but it's good. Like if you're going to India, you yeah. can actually meet up with these people in person, which most of us rarely get to do. Yeah. We barely get to meet each other, you know, in Europe or in the States, it's hard to meet each other. Yeah. But.
1: but I think that's, that's what's cool. so great about the online community in the States is that, you know, I'm in New York for the weekend and here I am, you know, meeting you and yeah. I went to Chicago and met Sumeya. I, yeah. you know, I feel like I've got, gotten to connect with people and, you know, if I were to be anywhere else in this country and knew a hen artist there, I would call them immediately and, yeah, exactly. you know, when I meet them, which I yeah. think is a fun Yeah. It's thing. pretty
0: amazing. Like I'm, um, I was friends with Jewel. Um, she's in Singapore mm-hmm. and, we were talking for years and years and years, and then I happened to be in Southeast Asia, and so I made sure to make a stop in Singapore, oh, and fun. I actually got to meet her in person. It's so cr- it's like surreal. Yeah. You're
1: like you're you're real. I know. Alive. It's so <laughs> freaky.
0: <laughs> um, so tell me about the bride that you did in when you were in your last trip to India.
1: Oh, that was so random. So I was coming home from, or home to Udaipur. My yeah. Going back to, to Udaipur, home. where where I have all my. I keep stuff there and like pack an overnight bag to go on shorter trips. So, Mm -hmm. I was in Mumbai and I was coming back north, and the this girl sitting next to me on the train kind of started talking to me about my henna. And she was, you know, she was Muslim. Yeah, I I had, I was, I had sort of a Moroccan-ish design, just something Mm -hmm. more geometric than than you typically would see in India. And she was like, "Wow, that's really beautiful. That's not something like who did that?" And I was like, "Oh, I did it." And she was speaking to me in a, in a an American accent mm-hmm. and it turns out she'd lived in Canada for the past like 12 or 15 years or something and she was home for her wedding which was like three weeks away and she was like do you have anything going on in three weeks like are you going to still be in India would you have any interest in coming to do my Mendy and I'm like yeah that's I, I so would cool. <laughs> that's really awesome and you know she kind of told me her story and we chatted for a while and she had she got off way before I had to get off the train Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we exchanged emails and sure enough, like a few days later, she emailed me and was like, no, I, w- I would really love to see some more of your work. Oh, cool! I'll book your train ticket to down. You know, you have a place to stay. You can stay for the wedding. And I, you know, we were originally, I said, you don't like, if I can stay for the wedding and you book my ticket, like I won't charge you anything. I've never really mm-hmm. done any Indian bride before. And it's just like, that would be a great experience. And I think she, she did end up paying me like a thousand rupees, which is like $20, but a thousand rupees Still, when you've been in India for three months, yeah. you're like ka-ching. Yeah.
0: And also such a great experience yeah. to actually do Indian henna for a bride in India and then go to the wedding. Yeah. Like, it's like And it was such a very laid back
1: wedding. I mean Oh really? Most of the people, the guests were like, this is the smallest Indian wedding in the world. Like, this is not an Indian what wedding. What was it, like 300 people? <laughs> Something like that. I mean, it, w- it was actually not overwhelmingly big. I think mm-hmm. she was home originally not to get married, and she was kind of older, and she was like maybe 30, which is for an Indian bride, oh, is terrible. quite a bit older. And her yeah. parents were, you know, she lives in Canada. She's a- an accountant, I think. So, like, her parents are like, she's successful, you know, whatever. Yeah. But they would always, whenever she'd come home, they kind of give her a few, like, setups, and she was always like, yeah, okay, and, you know smile and nod and yeah. you know do it and never really liked anyone and then her husband like her and her husband had like an arranged meetup and they just clicked and oh, nice. then they got married so it's sort Aww. of like a spur of the moment marriage so I think they just sort of threw it together on a low budget oh, so, okay. oh,
0: that's so cool. yeah
1: but it was a really fun I mean how else it's just like an awesome experience yeah. like to have done that
0: so it, yeah and what kind of design did you do? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, it was like a... I mean, it was pretty banded because she liked... She had seen Moroccan designs because she's mm-hmm. from Canada and yeah. she lives in Toronto and she had she does henna a little bit at home. She does... Oh, cool. Not super... You know, it's not her full-time thing at all, but like mm-hmm. she'll do parties randomly and like just through word of mouth, people will call her and have her mm-hmm. do it. And she said she lives in sort of a Moroccan neighborhood, so she'd seen oh, a lot of those designs. So she wanted something that sort of had, you know elements of that she didn't want Mm -hmm. Moroccan bridal henna and you know she Mm -hmm. she did I actually did the design above her elbows like that's usually what the brides want and then you know more simple feet so I kind of had a few Moroccan motifs in the sort of the bands and you know incorporated some paisleys and stuff but it was I I work very structurally and kind of I like to kind of map it out with sections so Mm -hmm. it was just very banded and I mean she was really happy with the design and You know, it it took me, like, I probably could do it a lot faster now that I'm a little more experienced. I think we, I was like, we're going to for six hours or something ridiculous, but.
0: Was that your first bridal?
1: I had done one bride before, but it was a family friend who just had me do her palms. So this is my first, like, my first and only thus far, like actual, like, I must have Mendy for my wedding kind of bride. So that was exciting.
0: Wow. And you did it in India. That's just like. Yeah. That's just incredible. It was fun.
1: (laughs) I know. And I'm lucky she actually had me do it in a separate room from her family. She was like, this is like my time to relax and get away from everyone. That's the
0: best way to do it. Yeah,
1: And it was, yeah, she was, and we went, like, I finished her palms and then she's like, okay, time to go back to like that family's house. It's time to eat dinner. I'm like, I just handed her palms. She's like, oh yeah, somebody's going to feed me. Wow. I'm like,
0: okay. That's the life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I feel sorry for brides that I do here because often I'm just at their apartment where they live alone or maybe they live with their fiance. And I'm like, who's going to help you go to the bathroom and who's going to help you eat? Because back in India, you have everybody in your family to Mm -hmm. help you. And here, you're just like, you're stuck. Yeah. So they're really careful about their water intake and they make sure they eat before. And, you know, they...
1: Go right to bed afterwards. Yeah. And
0: they call their fiance and like, can you bring me takeout? Can you feed me? But it's a very different story here. Yeah. It totally is. That's cool. Are you still in touch with her?
1: A little bit. I mean, she's... She's not on Facebook, and she was I, – I have pictures of the Mendy, but she was kind of conscious about – she did not want me taking her picture. Like, I have pictures oh, of her, okay. but she was like, please don't put my face anywhere yeah, on the internet, yeah. which I, you know, of course, respected. Um, So we've emailed a little bit, and then I took a lot of pictures at the wedding, which I haven't done anything with. I'm really – I take – I shoot raw files, and then oh, I have to then yeah. edit them to be a JPEG, so it takes yeah. me forever to get really – you know, finished photos that I would send to someone, and I took like 200 pictures. Oh, so they're kind of all of sitting on my computer as raw files. Like uh, maybe in like three years, I'll surprise oh her. But
0: <laughs> yes. so once in
1: a while, I'll get an email like, "How are you doing? You know, if you're ever in Toronto, let me know." But oh, so she's back in Canada, yeah,
0: and she yeah. brought her husband mm-hmm. with her. Oh, yeah,
1: so nice. So that's it would be awesome. you know fun to connect with her again, but we're not really in touch that much.
0: Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. great. So, do you anticipate doing any brides on this trip? <laughs>
1: sort of the the people that found me on facebook have kind of contacted me and then the the sister contacted me first and i was a little creeped out and i like cross-referenced them and had her like other you know her sister who's the bride i had yeah. her send me a message and oh, okay. facebook stalked them sent their profile to my friend in india and was like do these seem like real people and he was like yeah. yeah they seem pretty legit and okay, like that's cool. they told me the area of mumbai they looked at, they lived in and i looked it up and then, you know, they were just like, what do you charge? And I'm like, well, in dollars, it's going to be, I probably start my bridal designs around 500, which is like roughly 30,000 rupees. And they were like, whoa, like max, we can pay 7,000 rupees. Okay. And I was like,
0: what is that? Like a hundred dollars? Yeah.
1: And so again, like it's not nothing and it's, you know, that would be getting Mm -hmm. well paid in India. So I was like, yeah, "Yeah, I I mean, if you book my train ticket from wherever I am, I would, you know, do it for 7,000 and they were like, oh my God, thank you. And then they told their mother and she was kind of like, uh, are you kidding? Like you want this foreigner to come and do it? (laughs) So the the bride was like, I don't know. I think her sister was the one that found me and really liked my work. And then Mm -hmm. she wanted her sister who's getting married to have me come do the Mendy and then her, um... Her mom found out and was like, well, I don't know. And she wanted like Duha Duhan and everything. So I was like, Look, I'll do yeah. some sketches and I'll send them to you. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't. And we'll yeah. see what happens. And I don't yeah, know. I'm uh, wondering like now, like maybe they don't want me to do the bride, but like I could still come and do, you know, the sister and yeah. the mother. And, you know, but if that would be almost like
0: bridal Mendy in way because yeah. they usually get a lot. A of lot. Dinner.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I love, like, that's what I like to do. But I don't, you know, I get tired after I, if I do like two full you know, up to the elbows front and back on two people. I'm like,
0: yeah, that's a lot of I work. I could keep
1: going, but it my designs definitely start to yeah. not be quite as nice after yeah. that. So we'll see what happens. And, you know, so I'm sure I'll be doing lots of work, <laughs> no matter what. Yeah,
0: definitely. So when you're in in India, do you just buy henna locally or do you bring it from here? In it the... sounds kind of weird to, like, import henna from India and then you buy it from that person importing it, and then you take it back to India.
1: Yeah, it is really <laughs> weird. Last, I'm actually doing that. I'm bringing like a kilo of like those little 100 gram really? foil packets because it is impossibly hard to find good quality henna. The, Why? the best stuff is exported. Most oh, really? of it is exported, and I, it took me – so I spent a whole day on the back of my friend's bike going around Udaipur. Looking for henna powder, and there's like a whole dry goods market, and we I, found it I'm right away. Blown away by that. We That's found crazy. buckets, like rooms full of it. But it was no, like it's really, poorly really sifted. poorly sifted. Mm. Didn't stain well. Not harvest. It's all for hair. Like people just people use uh, ready made cones there, ugh. for the most part, which is kind of what I started with. And then I looked it up online. I was like, I should not use these.
0: Yeah, this stuff smells nasty. Yeah, and
1: there actually there was one brand in Udaipur that I found that didn't smell nasty still i'm sure it wasn't natural because they sit out for who knows long but they reacted normally like you leave it on for a long time you scrape it off it's bright orange it takes time to dry it won't get dark if you get it wet and so i don't and like sometimes i would get little dry spots where it'd be a green powder in the tubes but i don't know i'm like what the heck heck do they put in there yeah what kind of
0: oils and crap yeah exactly
1: and so like i i use that because i didn't know any better the Mm -hmm. first time i went and then i got home and it's like this is not not really what i should I can't be using
0: you have to like bring henna with you i found some mind. eventually i
1: did we went but you can't count on it yeah which is a problem and it was just like i don't know like we went all over the city stopping in like every other little market and i would bought you know it's like dirt cheap so i'd be like here's 20 rupees and they put like a huge scoop in a plastic bag and i mixed it up and i'm like this is like i got like five different brands and they all sucked and Ugh. then my friend like points out to me right across from where i was staying is this little like barber shop and it has a sign that says like best quality it's all in hindi so he mm-hmm. just tells me he's like it says best quality Mendy powder money back guaranteed good color blah 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 money back and it was I like, like that. double the price it was i think it was fifth it was half a kilo and uh it was like 80 rupees for half a kilo which is under two dollars but yeah. for what i've been paying for all the Mendy before i was like Really? Yeah. Well, this better be good. Let's give it a yeah. try, and it was good. It it stained oh, okay. pretty well, but I don't know if he'll still have it or, yeah. you know, I I found good henna a couple times, but it just took so much trying different hennas and mixing crap and wasting my oils which i it's more importantly it's that i bring my own essential oils yeah i had a really hard like i found tea tree oil at one place and it was really sketchy i was like "Mm." yeah
0: so the tea tree oil here is really sketchy too like you really have to find a good supplier yeah I, i have a friend who's kind of allergic to the bad stuff yeah and so she's like another artist here uses the bad stuff you know cheap tea tree and she was getting a reaction and it was like little red dots in the shape of the henna yeah so she was like i can't use i can't get henna by her anymore yeah it's just too bad on my skin
1: i'm bringing i use mostly catch oil which i buy like eight ounce bottles online yeah yeah um and i I just like the smell a little better than tea tree
0: tea tree is so antiseptic and i've been using it lately because i ran out of my catch but um i'm waiting for the order it should be here any day and i can't
1: wait (laughs) i don't mind the smell i just Often if I'm using straight tea tree, I'll put just like a few drops of lavender in to yeah, sort of mellow helps, it out. Or
0: geranium sometimes helps, yeah. cardamom,
1: but, but yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty into Kajpa oil if yeah, I can get it. Too. So yeah. I brought, I'm bringing an eight ounce bottle of that with me and then That's like good. a little bottle of tea tree oil on the just side just case. for measurement. Because yeah. I will, I pour, because I mix like a oh, hundred grams. Seen. So I pour my like 30 milliliter bottle full mm-hmm. of the Kajpa and then just dump that in the batch because I that's the quantity that works for me so yeah and do you use sugar in your paste when you mix it there i do i'm actually bringing a lot of maple syrup with me this time (laughs) what a vermont girl (laughs) i know but i mostly it's to give away as gifts because i talk about it and i have these little maple hard candies Candies, that i'm gonna give to people but i bought you can get these like shots they're like these little two ounce bottles of maple syrup for like three dollars
0: that i got when i was i don't know maybe i was in canada when i got them or somewhere yeah remember
1: so I almost I don't know that I really will use them that much. In my paste, mostly I'm gonna give them to my friends and yeah. be like, "This is the most Vermont-y thing that we have that I could possibly <laughs> I'd bring give you, you." Cheese, but that might not travel so well. <laughs> but I might, like, you know, I I'm bringing like ten of them, so I might keep one and mix with it. But yeah. I I like the consistency of my paste better with maple syrup because it's like with henna or with sugar, regular sugar, it's a little more gummy. Yeah, it's, maple syrup is, is almost it... more like using molasses.
0: Yeah, I like the mix with molasses. Yeah, I feel like with sugar, it's it's a little uncertain. Like if it melts when you mix, it could recrystallize. And yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being paranoid.
1: Or I'll use a little of both sometimes at yeah. home, depending on like if it's really dry. Like in the summer, I hardly put any sugar in because yeah. it's so ridiculously yeah. humid. But the in the winter, dries. yeah. In the winter, I'll have already added my maple and be like, I think this needs more sugar and just dump a little bit of yeah, regular, regular sugar in. Sugar. Yeah. So it's just a mix. But I mean, there I can just get sugar for nothing. So yeah. I probably yeah. just, I just use that. Yeah.
0: So, you really live up to your business name, Maple Mendy? I do. Yeah. You put
1: maple in your Mendy. I do. I know. I, I think I was asking Darcy something online about mixing it, and she's like, Don't tell me that you use maple syrup in your paste. That just makes me mad. So why would you do that?
0: <laughs> I know, because it's so yummy. It kind of seems like a I know. Waste,
1: but... but I mean, like, my neighbors are all sugars, and my mom's a oh, potter. Okay. So, one of her friend's husbands, like, that's what he does. So, she trades pottery for, for, maple, for syrup. maple syrup just yeah. very vermont and we have like just so like we just have so much of it it's, it's just everywhere yeah, yeah. like people yeah. say sugar and i'm like oh yeah maple same thing right right, right. so <laughs> i don't really think about it that much i'm lucky in that yeah. way
0: so um so you bring your essential oils which probably come from that part of the world and you bring henna that also comes to that part of the world yeah what i about think your... the oils
1: come from australia
0: yeah yeah and well, um sometimes um, comes from Vietnam. That's oh, where really. my, my former supplier, I don't, um, she doesn't get it anymore. It's
1: such but, a weird thing. Like I've yeah. never, anyone that I say, I mostly, when I have Kajaput in my mix, I just say tea tree to people because they have yeah. no idea what yeah. it is. And but I didn't either. they're
0: starting to get used to it. Like I say Kajaput, it's a relative of tea tree and they're like, oh, and so I feel like it's finally getting into yeah. their brain. So maybe they'll get but it. But I've never
1: seen it. Like, you know, you go to any health food store and you can get lavender, yeah. tea tree, you yeah. know eucalyptus but you never see catch so i don't know
0: my supplier she's she's really involved in going to the places and finding sources for stuff and she's really like she wants really good stuff so most of the stuff from my supplier is um like biodynamic or organic and that's great and she was saying i was asking her about kajaput and she said that kajaput niuli and tea tree the plants are almost indistinguishable or the trees are almost indistinguishable Mm -hmm. Not the word, yeah, um, and that sometimes it's just like a mix of those three, or it's you know, it's it's labeled niuli, but it's actually kajapuch. So, sometimes yeah. the farmers don't even know what's there, That's and the then difference. they cross pollinate and stuff. So, yeah, um, but yeah, there's definitely a smell difference between um, tea tree and the other, yeah, two. it has like
1: that citrusy funk versus a more kind of yeah. aromatic smell, I yeah.
0: think, yeah yeah i kind of feel like i'm working with like floor cleaner like murphy's oil soap when i'm using tea tree yeah. and sometimes it's just not pleasant for me to have it near my nose yeah i love the catch just sweeter. like clears
1: you out i just like i feel like a junkie or something when i pull up my cones oh, i'm like no. ah. it's, such, it's such a pleasure <laughs> yeah
0: it's kind of sick like i brought it um my friend wanted me to make paste for her and i almost never do that and um so I just threw it in my bag, and then later I was looking through my bag, and I'm like, oh, my God, my bag smells so good. Yeah. I just have, like, wrapped
1: bottles wrapped in plastic bags inside clothes in my suitcase oh, that a, I'm taking, yeah, and I open so it, it up, and you can still, good. I'm like,
0: mm-hmm,
1: this is great.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I should store my essential oils in my closet, <laughs> get all my clothes with that yummy funk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, all right, so henna essential oil, sugar you bring with you, and then um, what about your cone making stuff? Do you bring some mixed tape
1: I, or? I have one thing of tape that I'm taking mm-hmm. that I can put. I can tape is easy to buy there. I mean, oh, okay, is it decent? Yeah, That's I can get you can, get you can get cello tape for like ten, like cheaper than you get oh. it here, ten rupees oh, okay. for a little roll, and I just replace it in my dispenser. Oh, okay. The dispenser, cool. the the the, the dispenser is nice because otherwise I'd just be cutting it with scissors, which yeah. is a pain. So that I can get there. And then I brought, I cut a bunch of rectangles out of my cello paper mm-hmm. just to have because it's convenient. Case. But yeah. I know I bought, I got really cool, beautiful cello paper. And at home, I just go to the flower shop and get like yeah. plain yeah. cello. But there yeah. I could find like all these funky patterns and cello oh, paper at cool. this shop. So I'm like, I packed some, but I'll definitely buy that. And actually, before, that was when I was in Udaipur that I, my friend showed me that shop to get it. Mm-hmm. And in Delhi, I saw all the Mendy wallets. Like, I'm you can get it everywhere. But when I was in Gujarat, um, there was this one woman that made henna to sell at the market and put all this weird crap in it. But mm-hmm. I could, I got henna powder from her too, actually. That was decent. I forgot about that. And oh, then okay, cool. she had this giant stack of unused, like she got them from a cracker company or something but just plain sheets of cracker, like, biscuit wrappers. Oh, just cool. Just stacks and stacks and oh stacks. And they were, you know, a little stiffer than I like to work with, but, mm-hmm. like, you know, use what you can find. And yeah. I ended up using that for a oh, long that's time. that's great. Which is, a, I mean, they're harder because you can't, like, filling a cone, you can't see it. I like using something transparent, but, yeah. you know, again, use what you can find. Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of, I liked using, it was just sort of like a fun, I like the yeah, idea of using, Indian. I don't even know that they were recycled. I don't think they'd ever been used for yeah, chip bags yet. they were, like, but, they were rejects or something yeah. like
0: that, a typo or something.
1: Well, I don't know if they care about typos too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: funny. Wow. And then uh, do you ever freeze cones when you're there or do you, you just keep – you do?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do. I mean, I try to. Yeah. Um, I would sometimes like, – the freezer or fridge in that, like, I stay in a family guest house, so their house with so a kitchen is sort of in the front, and then there's, mm-hmm. like, some rooms in the back, but I knew them. I was always hanging out, like, in their bedroom with the kids, doing whatever, oh, eating okay. with them, so I felt comfortable using their fridge. Yeah. And their fr- like, they have one of the- it's just, like, a big fridge with, like, a teeny little freezer in the top part. Oh, it's not, okay. like, a big fridge with a freezer on top like we have here. Yeah. I guess we would call it a mini fridge, but it was big for there. Yeah. Because they make a- things fresh pretty much every day, but... Yeah. I just took that little in that little freezer spot. I would put cones and I'd wrap them before I didn't used to put them in. I would just stick like five cones in there and, it kind of drips a little bit oh, and so they'd okay. be like oh we took them out and put them in the fridge and i'm like no so then i like put them i like wrap them really tight in a plastic bag and close the bag and like put them way in the back and i was like don't move my yeah. cones and they were like oh okay hey <laughs> okay. bridget like calm down i'm sure they've never heard of freezing henna yeah it must be so weird for and them. I, they all eat out of these like little stainless steel lunch boxes or like they'll pack lunch for their kids and them everybody eats off these really nice funny. stainless steel platters mm-hmm. and cups and I, I mean, I just I want to take all this stainless steel home, and I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm not that carrying stuff. that around yeah. for six months. But um, you can buy it in Little India here in yeah, New York. Yeah, for it's a lot, a lot a cheaper lot, there. But yeah. I bought these little things that they use as lunch boxes, which no, are just like the tiffin. Boxes yeah, boxes just like what? little stainless steel boxes mm-hmm. with a nice lid that fits on. Yeah. And I would use those to mix henna, or I would like store it in there, mm-hmm. and you know I could take it around and mix it fresh where I was going if I couldn't oh, freeze good. them. Yeah. And one time I like had some that I was taking out with me and I was eating breakfast in the house and with the kids and the, the dad of the family comes in and he's like, Oh did Yami Yamini's his wife did Yamini make you lunch? What did she make you? And I'm like, <laughs> open it and I show him and he's like you oh actually, I'm also always inspired by like Indian motifs we could talk about that oh okay um but like last year i'm I'm psyched because some of my friends are coming with me Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have them, you know, I didn't always have someone with like nice henna stains that could model against this thing that I saw, but I would love to be able to like have someone like, Ooh, pose next to that, like God with all the hands sticking out with your henna and like put your hands here and let me take a picture.
0: All right. So let me um, figure out a question for that. So I was telling you we were, Emailing back and forth about you coming here and in, and sitting here for this interview. I was telling you how much I like your photos and how I was showing them to my friend who's traveled in India. So I assume you're going to be doing more travel photography or other photography in India this time.
1: Yeah, um I like to do portrait. I mean, before I did henna, I was mostly doing portrait photography, which is sort of a natural segue into henna photography because it's still kind of Skin. a portrait of someone's hand. <laughs> yeah, but um
0: especially if there's like a portrait in the henna yeah <laughs> then it's really photography.
1: <laughs> totally is um but I guess my you know as I fell just like crazy I was like only doing henna I was, didn't even you know the reason I'd pick up my camera was to take a picture of henna after, like at, at a point I've gotten a little more into it now and especially when I'm traveling I'm more into pulling out my big camera yeah now that I have a, a snazzy iPhone with you know, I just got it like six months ago. So I'm like, Oh my God, it takes a real picture. This yeah. is great. <laughs> I but I, I try to really force myself to use my, my good camera. I'm always glad when I do, cause the pictures mm-hmm. are so much better. And especially when I'm in India, I mean, this will be my first time traveling with it. So I'm, and I also oh, kind cool. of, I feel weird pulling it out because people are like, Oh, iPhone, but everybody yeah. has phones there. So it yeah. shouldn't be that big of a deal. Yeah. But, um, you know, I kind of try to get a lot of local girls to model for me with henna and usually i could get a, a decent picture paste on but paste off you know maybe they might a lot of girls don't really take care of it or don't know how to take care of right. it or have to do the dishes and it's just yeah. kind of like an afterthought for them unless it's like seriously like they're going to a wedding um but i'll have you know i try to get really good after photos when i can and sometimes in different touristic places i'd meet other foreigners and talk to them about henna and do their henna and have them model for me which was really fun because I could like a lot of people traveling don't really know. So when I kind of educate them about using natural henna and you know, there you can get good henna in India. It's totally possible, but you need to do this, this, and this to ensure that it's going to be good quality and the artist is going to be good. And Mm -hmm. it's
0: a little bit harder to
1: track that down. Yeah. Yeah. And just things, you know, signs that it's natural, ask them if they're mixing the paste, you know, it's hard to find, but you can do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but then often they'd Want me to do their Mendy and I'd show them my work or they'd think it was cool. And then I'm like, Are you going to be, you know, if they're in Udaipur where I spend a lot of time, are you mm-hmm. still going to be here in two days? I'd love to have you, you know, pose with your henna in this spot yeah. or that spot. Yeah. And I, I have a couple of friends from home visiting me who I'm going to be traveling with for three weeks. So I'm, I'm going to mendy them up for sure and, oh, cool. and be like, oh, yeah, you can pose for me all over the place. Right, and, you know, they're used to backdrops. it. Yeah, yeah instead so, of your maple trees and yeah. <laughs> chickens. <laughs> so they definitely know, you know, what kind of photos I like and are, you know, pretty willing to pose. So I'm excited cool. to pose them different, you know, next to different statues and scenic places and just, you know, have that exotic look. Yeah. Actually, a couple people... I. I think it was Chrissy McCurry sent me a, of henna trails. She sent me a message being like, you should make a book of, of designs with your photos. Your photos are so great. And I'm like, yeah. that would be really fun. But I feel like I don't have quite enough to make. Like I, especially yeah. cause you know, I haven't been, I've been doing henna for like two years. So up until about a year ago, I wasn't like really loving my work quite enough to yeah. want to like have yeah. it in a book that someone would keep. Yeah. But I think after this trip, I'll definitely try to get some really nice images and maybe make some copies of a book yeah, or something because yeah, I idea. think it's nice. And I just love that feeling of having a photo outside of the computer. I have recently yeah. printed stuff for the yeah. first time and it was just really great. And, yeah. you know, I had them hanging in a local sh- coffee shop and people really loved yeah. seeing them. And yeah. I got a lot of business just through having oh, them I'm there. Sure. So yeah. I think... It's nice to kind of bring them into the dimensional world.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's funny because everyone's saying, "Oh, the book is dead," but there's something really lovely with so much digital to actually pick up a book and turn a page and look at a really rich photograph. It's it's yeah. uh, it's it's a rare thing now, but it makes it more rich.
1: And I guess I, I tend to dress in a lot of really dull colors, like even coming home from India and shopping, like everything I pull out is like olive green and brown and like (laughs) when he rolls their eyes, but it's like, that's the, you know, those are the color palettes that I'm drawn to wearing. Mm -hmm. But I guess I kind of make up for it because of my photographs. I love really high saturation, really, really Mm -hmm. colorful, vibrant photos. And that might partially be why I get bored photographing around here, especially at this time of year. It's just really brown.
0: And not only that it's brown; it's just that these this is a color palette that you're really familiar with, yeah. And it's a lighting that you're really familiar with. So. And I've been
1: really, really inspired by. And actually, that's how I found out about this. Is how we found out about the Mendiwallas in South Delhi and Lajpat Nagar. There's an amazing blog. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, you you've probably seen the photos just floating through Pinterest because yeah. they've gotten around. But yeah. the blog is called Fifty Two Suburbs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! It's I know amazing, that blog. Yeah, it's amazing, amazing. Really cool. I just drool over her photos. Like I've seen them all a million times, and anytime I'm like feeling, it just it doesn't matter. Like I found out of them because because of the henna photos. Searching mm-hmm. for something, they came up, and then I clicked on her blog, and, and then dug into everything. Lomit was amazing, where... yeah, and she I does that blog. No, so really much cool. with juxtaposition. She'll pose. She'll take a photo, like an up close photo of some architecture, and she'll pose it next to a really funky portrait of somebody in the same city and they kind of they really she does a really great job matching photos that kind of have nothing to do with each other so I've been incredibly inspired by her with juxtaposition so I Mm -hmm. I like to do that with henna photography and just in in India it also for like because I shoot so much portraits so like I do so much portraiture to kind of think about something that would go well next to a portrait kind of breaks me out of that and and allows me to open my mind to shooting other things because normally I wouldn't really look twice at other things. And it's just, you know, it's a great way to kind of view photography, to think about how would this look next to a portrait or next to henna or how can I use this? you can shoot in
0: preparation for that juxtaposition.
1: Or finding like motifs on people's clothing and photographing that. Mm -hmm. Um, or And, you know, getting inspired by different architecture in India or clothing or jewelry or painting on a building that could kind of inspire henna yeah so
0: yeah so you take a picture of that and then then have a henna design come out of that i did a really
1: cool design or you know it was a little different but i copied i bought this dress which was like this really flowery flowery swirly pattern and then i copied it as exactly as i could into a henna design obviously without the color and then i juxtaposed the fabric next to the Mm -hmm. hand and it was really fun to see them you know Kind of talk to each other.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's really yeah. cool. God, it must be just a feast for the senses there. So much inspiration totally. for Henna.
1: Feast for every sense for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And just like visually, there must be so much to inspire Henna designs. Yeah.
1: And especially because I don't, you know, there are definitely a lot of English speaking people there, but because people don't speak in English to each other so much, you sort of isolate. I, I feel like I'm even more visually in tune because. I'm not using language as much as a yeah. way to communicate. Yeah,
0: and you're not distracted by words yeah. around you, or even words that you're seeing. Yeah. yeah. So that's really nice.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I feel like I other senses kick. I mean, it's almost like being deaf or something, you know, people that are missing a sense, their other senses then become that much stronger. Yeah,
0: exactly. So you're kind of like deaf. Yeah. Temporarily deaf. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. I'm so sorry about the abrupt end to that interview. The conversation went on after that, but it was mostly about what train she was going to take to the airport and how she usually gets to the airport and what she packs. So I thought I'd spare you guys that. Uh, I don't think you missed anything. It was fascinating for people who are really interested in trains and buses, but maybe not for the rest of you. Thank you for listening and please stay tuned for future episodes. We have a lot of really good ones coming up. We also have the Google Hangout Saturday, December 14th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and it will be on YouTube after that. You can just go to our podcast at caughtredhandedpodcast.com for the link to YouTube. Thanks as always to Nash Koram for the photos that are on the blog and on iTunes, and also to Shlomi Cohen for the awesome music for this podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye.